Welcome to the Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about. Welcome back to episode number 318 of the Healthy Skin Show. In this episode, we are going to dive into some fascinating topics surrounding your mouth. As you guys know, I am fascinated by the oral microbiome, so the bugs that live naturally in your oral microbiome, as well as those that shouldn't be there. Because our mouth microbiome is different than the gut microbiome, however, it is equally important. And my guest today understands just how much it is. Her name is Dr. Victoria Sampson, and she is a functional dentist and researcher based in central London, the United Kingdom. She obtained her bachelor's in dental surgery from Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry and is now known for her work in developing salivary diagnostics, microbiome testing, and incorporating artificial intelligence into everyday care. Her work has been acknowledged worldwide, and she is now a scientific advisor, board member, and clinical lead of multiple dental companies globally. Victoria has published numerous papers in the UK and internationally, and was the first dentist in the world to link gum disease with worse COVID complications. And as the first dentist to ever be shortlisted for the Forbes 30 Under 30 in Healthcare and Science in Europe, Victoria founded her own multidisciplinary health center in London, aimed at putting the mouth back in the body and connecting the oral microbiome with general health. And Victoria and I actually met in London when I was speaking at the Health Optimization Summit, and we just totally hit it off. Her presentation was fantastic, and I invited her here to share the information that she shared on that stage because it was just so incredibly valuable, and I know you all would benefit from it. So without further ado, let's dive into today's conversation. Dr. Sansom, I am so excited to have you here. I talked about you so much on Instagram. I'm sure people think <laughs> that like we talk on a regular basis. I wish we probably did talk more often because I met you in London this year, like a month ago, and we hit it off. And I found your presentation at the Health Optimization Summit to be one of the most informative, eye-opening, and I will just say shocking in a very <laughs> educational way, but I really appreciated it. And I'm so glad that you're here. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's the same here. Uh, it was so great to meet you last month. And I definitely would love to speak to you more. So, <laughs> so hopefully well, this is not the last time. <laughs> we'll have to sort it out. So so the thing that I, I think would be great to, to kick this off at is First of all, you are a dentist, you work in London with patients, but you also do a ton of research. And I really appreciated your presentation because you, you connected what's going on in the oral microbiome to other systemic issues. So I'm thinking to myself, maybe we should kick this off with a conversation about I mean, I don't want to make this all about COVID because it's not all about COVID, but I think it helps to explain this delicate balance between the immune system and when things go awry. So COVID was happening. You're yeah. locked at home. You're yeah. bored and you're you don't like to sit still and no. talk about what happened 
with this idea that popped into your head that has really drastically shifted your approach to dentistry? Um, so yeah, it was, it was COVID. I was, um, very, very bored. I was on a run and, um, I think I was just kind of thinking like, how is COVID going to impact my job and how is my job going to impact COVID? And then I was reading into it a lot and the risk factors to do with COVID complications. And it, what I found strange was that all of the risk factors for uh, COVID complications were also pretty much the same as those for periodontal disease. Um, so things like diabetes, even having, you know, um, high BMI, uh, high blood pressure, being a man, like all of these types of things. I was like, okay, this is a bit strange. Then I looked into the mechanisms behind the cytokine storm for COVID complications and kind of what changes a patient from being pretty okay and having moderate COVID to all of a sudden being in ICU and being incubated. And um, it started a, a journey for me and I, I wrote a paper which was um, kind of hypothesizing that um, having gum disease and having an imbalanced oral microbiome might be contributing to um, COVID-19 and actually um, increasing the risk of having complications. Uh, and then that led me on to actually researching it with a couple of universities in the UK. And we went into hospitals. And, well, we tried to get into hospitals, but we weren't allowed to because um, obviously it was COVID and you can't just walk into ICUs with extremely um, contagious patients. So the only way that we were able to have a snapshot of those patients' oral health was um, through their saliva. So we were collecting their um, oral microbiome, so like uh, saliva swabs, and also their uh, nose as well. So we're doing nasal swabs. And we were doing uh, severe and moderate and also very mild COVID patients. And we were looking at how imbalanced their oral microbiome would be and whether or not having a more imbalanced oral microbiome might be a predictor for those patients who were going to have more complications. And lo and behold, it was. Um, and so that's kind of what led me into, well, we then kind of published that research and it opened the doors for a lot more research into the idea that oral microbiome dysbiosis um, increases your risk of COVID complications. Um, and I think the what you were saying about kind of the oral systemic link, I think in this particular uh, case, the main reason for it is because, fun, you know, COVID is a viral infection. But actually, if you looked at how the cause of death of many COVID sufferers, it wasn't actually from COVID itself. It was from a bacterial super infection. It was from pneumonia. Um, that was the, the, the biggest cause of death was pneumonia, which is a bacterial infection. And so we saw the same thing with the um, with the influenza epidemic, uh, I don't know, hundred of years ago. And actually, again, the main cause of death was bacterial super infections as opposed to the virus itself. And so what happens is that your body is under so much pressure and stress from the virus, and some people's bodies might be um, kind of impacted a bit more than others. And then you add on top of that, you know, this hot pot of bacteria inside your mouth, um, and when when you have very low immune status, then that bacteria is basically at a much higher um, chance of being able to cause an infection. It can travel, so you can swallow it, you can breathe it, it can travel in your blood, and it can cause super infections uh, elsewhere in the body. And so with some of the research that you did, um, and I was actually shocked by the stats, could you share, like, if, if you have 
the more, wasn't it the more dysbiotic or imbalanced your oral microbiome is, there was a greater risk for complications with COVID, correct? Yeah, so you're nine times more likely to be in ICU um, and to be incubated if you have severe periodontal disease. And what would severe period, like what's, what is that scale, I guess, or that um, the dental status? So we start with healthy gums and then we go to gingivitis. Like where, what is that continuum for people who might not be fully aware of this? So it's kind of, it's a, it's a spectrum. So you're right. So you've got on, on the healthy green side, you've just got good healthy gums. They shouldn't be bleeding. Um, they shouldn't be painful or sore. And um, in terms of how they look, they should usually be quite pink and stippled. So it kind of should look a bit like an orange peel. Um, and then as you go into slight inflammation, that's what we call gingivitis. And that's where maybe you're getting a bit of bleeding gums. Uh, maybe they're a bit red and sore, but you know, it's, it's, not so bad that it's actually causing any irreversible damage. So when you're at that stage, you could have a hygiene and you could get really good with your oral health and you'll reverse it and you can get back to being healthy. But then when you get further down the spectrum and you get into more severe gum disease, which is what we call periodontal disease, that's where you have the gum inflammation, so the same as gingivitis, but also you have it's paired with some bone loss um, and something called pocketing. And so what pocketing is, is imagine your, your gum is meant to be kind of holding onto your tooth uh, and it should be very tight. So it should be like a turtleneck around the tooth. And if you have more and more inflammation, then that turtleneck becomes quite flappy and loose. And so it creates a pocket. And the deeper the pocket, the more severe that gum disease is and the more bone loss that you, you get. And you cannot go back from being a periodontal disease patient to a completely healthy patient because once you've lost that bone, you've lost it and that's it. You can't regrow it back. So that is a crucial point. It sounds like you don't want to transition beyond gingivitis because yeah. you can't come back from that. No. So you can only ever stabilize it. So you won't be able to regrow the bone. You'll just you know, have to live with the bone loss and you can kind of have um, active or kind of remission periodontal disease. Um, and then when we get to the very end of the spectrum, that's tooth loss. That's where you're getting wobbly teeth, the teeth are falling out, um, you're getting abscesses and infections, bad breath, you know, so that's your, your big spectrum of gum disease. And I didn't hear you mention anything about the microbiome and all of this. And I <laughs> often find I, I have to ask because of all the work that you're doing, there, I've never had the only, okay. So the only thing my dentist and I, mind you, I've only seen conventional dentists, but I know in like the U S there are more holistic and integrative dentists out there. And obviously I've had some on the show that are, um, again, U S based, but the only thing they generally talk about is like, Oh, we need to like use Listerine and these other, um, alcohol-based antiseptics to just kill all the bacteria. That's all we want to do is just kill the bacteria, but nobody ever talks about what's actually going on. So is there any connections between this spectrum of, we'll say like, I guess, gum and dental disease, as well as with that oral microbiome? Yeah, 100%. So the, the cause of, of periodontal disease or gum disease is it's a combination of a few factors. And I would say one of the biggest ones is your oral microbiome. So it's the, the bacteria that you have in your mouth. 
And most people's microbiome has about 700 different species of oral bacteria. And some are good, some are terrible, and some are commensal, and they're just there. Um, and so there are certain bacteria, there's four or five in particular, which are extremely pathogenic. And so that means that they're the most destructive. Um, and if you have elevated levels of those in your oral microbiome, um, it's been shown that those bacteria will actually... Um, cause gum disease and there's a causative side of that. Um, now that's also paired with your your kind of immune response and your your you as a person. So uh, what that means is that you could have lots and lots of terrible bacteria in your mouth, but it's how your body responds to that bacteria that really can cause or not cause that gum disease. So I always compare it to you could have two patients um, you know, one super healthy, really, really clean, uh, brushes five, six times a day, never smoked a cigarette in her life. But yeah, maybe she's got other problems like she's got, you know, arthritis and she's um, always had some sort of inflammatory diseases and etc. And uh, then you have another patient who smokes 20 cigarettes a day and doesn't really eat very well, hasn't brushed their teeth in a very long time and hasn't seen a dentist. And that person who doesn't brush their teeth may not have gum disease at all. And that's because their immune response is actually very strong and good. And so even though they have a bucket load of terrible bacteria in their mouth, their body is not responding in a destructive way. And then you can have the other patient who is super, super clean and healthy and perfect, but she has quite a pro-inflammatory um, body. And so even the smallest amounts of bacteria in her mouth will just blow up and it can cause terrible problems and she can have much worse gum disease than the other patient. And what is there a genetic component to yeah. this? Yeah, so there's so um, what I do in my clinic is we do a couple of different tests. Um, so one is the oral microbiome test. We look at the bacteria in the mouth um, and particularly those very pathogenic bacteria. But then also we look at, for some patients, not all of them, we can do genetic testing. So we can look at base pair mutations, which would actually increase their risk of um, inflammation. So those patients would are kind of more pro-inflammatory and they're the ones who might have um, very little bacteria, but their body responds in an extremely aggressive and destructive way. Destructive way, and those patients are the ones that you need to be pretty um, kind of stringent and intense with, and and you know they should be coming in very regularly because if they slip up ever so slightly, they're down that spectrum into the gum disease um, kind of side of things. Um, and then we also look at other inflammatory markers and and enzymes as well in the saliva. And so with these organisms that are inflammatory, I know, uh, isn't P. gingivalis one of those, I think? Yeah. So if you have that in your mouth or you have several of these, which I know is possible, I, everybody likes it to be just one thing. It's never just one thing. There's always a combo of some yeah. sort going on. These can trigger cytokines, correct? So inflammatory mediators. Yeah. And... Does it just stay in the mouth? No. Um, so the there's a couple of things that happen. So you've got your high levels of your bad bacteria in your mouth. Um, the first thing that happens is that some of that bad bacteria travels elsewhere to other parts of the body, to other sites, and it can cause 
bacterial super infections. Um, so it can go and travel to your heart and cause infective endocarditis. It can travel to your foot and cause something. Um, so that's number one. Number two is actually that bacteria can just release um, inflammatory cytokines. So you've got your interleukins um, and your a lot of other ones. And that bacteria literally just releases them and they can travel through the bloodstream um, to distal sites of the body, so elsewhere. And that's where you start to kind of, that's what we call um, low-grade uh, inflammation, so chronic low-grade inflammation. And that's where, for example, you have a patient who might have a very inflammatory condition like rheumatoid arthritis or anything like that. Psoriasis or some exactly. of these other skin issues. Okay. For sure. And it adds, um, it adds petrol to the fire. So it's just another source of inflammation that can travel elsewhere and, and just kind of, kind of just bother things a little bit more. Um, yeah, so it can try and it can also obviously stay in the mouth and cause your localized inflammation. But what I'm mainly concerned about in most of my patients is that low grade chronic inflammation and how it could be impacting the rest of the body um, and what we can do to help actually systemic diseases if we work together with, you know, nutritionists or doctors or etc. to to reduce that inflammation. Okay. And I think this is important. I heard, I think I'm hearing you say this, but it's not just that you're swallowing the bacteria, right? Because that's usually in my head, that's what I'm thinking of from a digestive or nutrition perspective. Is it possible too, that that bacteria, if you do have these pockets, does, does that gain access to the body? Like, is that a way through like, maybe you describe it as leaky gut, we have leaky gut. So maybe this is leaky yeah. gums. Yeah, yeah, literally leaky, leaky gum syndrome. So yeah, so it's, it's exactly the same thing. It can travel literally through those pockets. You can, yes, swallow it. And actually a lot of bacteria are acid resistant. So for example, Porphyrmonas gingivalis is acid resistant. So it can actually travel and sit in your stomach and cause problems elsewhere. Um, and then also you can breathe it. So those are the three main kind of ways of traveling. And what are some of the other like troubling or problematic organisms that you may see more frequently on some of your clients or patients who have uh, more severe uh, gum disease? Um, so you've got your, your top four um, for gum disease. They're called your red complex pathogens. Um, and so they have been known to be the worst to cause gum disease. But what you were saying earlier is completely right, that it's about the combination of those bacteria. And it frustrates me because I get a lot of people who message me, um, like dentists or whatnot, and they're like, oh, could you just like help me like this patient? Like, could you just tell me what their results mean? And I'm like, it's about the combination. It's not, I can't give you like this bacteria means this, this bacteria means that, because yeah. it's about seeing and feeling and like, okay, but these four, if you have extremely high levels of them, there's something going on definitely with your gums. So you've got Tanarella forsythia, uh, Treponema denticula, Porphyrmonas gingivalis, um, and then you've got, um, I'm never going to, I still cannot pronounce this, even though I say it every single day. Uh, I call it AA, um, but it's Agrigobacter actinomycem comitans. <laughs> we so, do our best. Yeah, just, just call it AA. Um, AA. It's the other one that I didn't say. <laughs> See, this is why I love you. It's like, you're, you're like, it's a tricky name. We'll just call it AA for yeah. short. 
There's, yeah. there's so many times on stool tests, people are like, what is that? And I'm like, well, just, just call it this. Yeah, just call it H. That's okay. Um, they're, they're complicated names. It is what it is. And, and we can't always make everything, you know, um, at a level that everybody can easily understand. And sometimes we mispronounce things and that, yeah. or we learn it pronounced a different way. So it is what it is. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I think it's great to know that these are options and, so that being said, how do you even find out if you have one or more of these problem kids, as I'll call them, hanging out in your oral microbiome? Um, so you do a microbiome test. So um, you, it's literally we collect your saliva um, and then we screen your saliva for all of those bacteria. Um, I personally always, I, I strongly recommend to everyone that they pair that with a clinical examination. So, um, and I'm sure Jennifer, you, you'd agree with me, like from maybe a gut perspective and whatnot, like you can't just look at someone's results and not know anything about them or their problems or what everything looks like. So it's the same with oral. Um, you should be pairing your oral microbiome test with a dental checkup and checking the gums. And then it's about combining those together because like I said it's there's also the element of your your host immune response and how your body's responding to that so sometimes you know everyone's microbiome is different and for one person having slightly elevated levels of one bacteria might be okay actually and we don't need to rock the boat too much um, and we want to still keep everything else in balance but yeah so saliva microbiome test is your is your go-to and do certain skin conditions or what are described as skin conditions like lichen planus and uh, psoriasis, do you tend to see those potentially more associated with dysbiosis of the oral microbiome? Unfortunately not. I wish I did kind of, um, because as in, I think, you know, with lichen planus, um, it's quite difficult sometimes to, to diagnose it. Um, and it can be one of those kind of like slow and growing things. And it would be fantastic if we could just screen your saliva and see it. But unfortunately I'm yet to see any, um, correlation between those. And in terms of vitamin deficiencies, cause I think a lot of people don't realize that certain symptoms in your mouth could actually be a clue that you have a nutrient deficiency. Could you just speak briefly to that? Um, and what are some signs that, you know, of who knows, like a folate deficiency or any of these types of deficiencies that if you see this potentially talk to your dentist? Um, so you're totally right. You can get a lot of nutritional deficiencies, um, in the mouth. Uh, well it presents in the mouth first before you might see symptoms elsewhere. And the reason for that is because the, the oral, uh, mucosa, so the skin lining the inside of your mouth, um, it regenerates at a much faster rate than most, um, other parts of your body. So that means that we see things much quicker here than you might see elsewhere. So the biggest one is iron deficiency. Um, what you would see with that is like a slight pallor to the gums. Like it, it, everything's a little bit pale. Um, patients who might get quite often a recurrent ulceration, um, which is just unexplained. Um, sometimes you can also get sore gums as well. Um, that's your iron. Then you've got your B12 um, deficiency. And what you get with that is like a raw red beefy tongue. 
Um, so you get a very basically sore tongue, particularly uh, sensitive to things like spice, um, to sometimes alcohol. It's really tingly. Um, so that's your B12 and then similar with folate as well. And then vitamin C, and I'm yet to ever have met someone who has a vitamin C deficiency, but um, you get really bad bleeding gums um, because vitamin C is one of your um, cofactors for um, the clotting cascade. So if you don't have that, then you get really bad bleeding gums. Um, I think those are the deficiencies. Those are the biggest ones. But um, basically, if you get lots of ulcers, if you have um, a very, very sore tongue, then you might want to start thinking about getting some full blood tests and just making sure you don't have any deficiencies. And something like celiac disease, can there be red flags in the mouth for that as well? Yeah. So um, actually, I, I've I've actually diagnosed patients quite often um, before they've found out or known from anyone else. And again, it's because it presents first in the mouth a couple of months before patients often get symptoms um, in their gut. And so um, with your irritable bowel disorders, you can get um, cobblestone mucosa. So what that means is that your the insides of your cheeks become kind of like cobblestones. They look like they're really like rocky and, and a bit strange looking ulceration as well, um, very bad bleeding gums. And then for, for Crohn's, um, or yeah, with Crohn's, you can get basically like a really swollen tongue, uh, and lip. So oral facial granulomatosis for anyone who's interested in knowing the term. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. And canker sores as well can also be kind yeah, of a red yeah, flag sorry. for things. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, ulcers are always a bit of a, you should be wondering why you're getting ulcers very regularly. It's usually something else in your body screaming through your mouth. See, this is why I love you because you just like break <laughs> things down. So, so that being said, what are some basics, which I could say like brush your teeth twice a day, but again, I'm not a dentist. So realistically, what is the, I'm not going to say bare minimum, but like what is a reasonable like, first of all, should people care more about their oral microbiome and the cleanliness of their mouth than they probably do at this very moment? And what are some basics that they should be doing? Like, you should at least be doing this every single day. Um, okay, so in terms of, yes, everyone should be brushing their teeth and taking much better care of their oral health. I think it's been, it's always been something that people haven't combined with the rest of their body. It's like a, it's like a separate entity to everything else. And I think slowly it's starting to get back into the body and people are understanding the connections, or maybe I'm just surrounding myself with people who understand it better. <laughs> I'm like, yay. Um, but it, it's slowly, people are understanding that. And I think that you know, even something as simple as like you going and getting your clean with your hygienist, it's not just someone sitting there getting rid of some staining, like they're actually reducing your inflammatory load, they're reducing the amount of bacteria in your mouth. And, and so you really need to be prioritizing your oral health. And another thing is that it's so easy. You know, I tell all my patients, I'm like, you know, if you've got all of these chronic inflammatory diseases and you've got all of these problems and people are making you, you know, change your lifestyle habits and take all these medications and do all of this stuff, like all I'm asking you to do is brush your teeth twice a day, like use this mouthwash and come and see the hygienist. And that could actually significantly improve your other side effects from other diseases. Um, 
So I guess that takes me to the the basics, the things that everyone should be doing. Um, brush your teeth twice a day. Um, spit, don't rinse. So don't rinse with water after you brush. You should be brushing two minutes, spit out the residue and leave the rest in your mouth. Okay. Um, what else? Floss. So floss and interdental brushes are very important because 30% of the bacteria is actually in between your teeth. So if you're not flossing, you're only ever doing 70% of the job. Um, what else? Mouthwash. So um, mouthwash is a, a bit of a controversial topic. Um, I personally do use a lot of mouthwashes with my patients, but only once I know what their microbiome is like. So I, I recommend the mouthwash based on what bacteria they have elevated levels of. So if you don't have a microbiome test and you don't really know why you're using mouthwash, bin it, you don't need it. Um, keep it simple. And if you do know why, then um, use it at a separate time to brushing. So it should be maybe at lunchtime, for example. You shouldn't do it together because actually brushing and using your mouthwash counteract each other. They do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. So if I brush my teeth at night, because this is what I'm doing. So yeah. <laughs> I got to I saw your eyes so like... <laughs> <laughs> okay so why should i not use the mouthwash after i brush because um if you're brushing your teeth two minutes and you're putting all that lovely goodness from the toothpaste on your teeth then you want to leave it on the teeth and you using your mouthwash is actually going to rinse out all of that toothpaste out of your mouth but also there have been there's been a lot of research to show that the the ingredients that are in mouthwash and ingredients in toothpaste often will actually counteract each other so you end up kind of being at a at a zero, it's not going to be um, a negative consequence, but you're not going to be helping in any way. So the, the really best way is mouthwash at a separate time so that you have three attacks during the day of good oral health. Okay, so mouthwash should be separate from brushing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So learn something new. Everyone does it though. Everyone, I, I'm the number of people who do it, but I always compare it to sun cream. So if you spend two minutes putting all this sun cream on your skin, um, before you go out into the sun, imagine if you went and had a shower right before you went into the sun, it, it wouldn't work, right? You're just getting rid of all of that goodness. So it's exactly the same with that toothpaste. The point of it is that it has the right ingredients to help strengthen your teeth and your gums. So you need to leave it on there. Wow. Oh my goodness. So much information. <laughs> Sorry. I want to make sure. No, no, don't apologize. This is wonderful. I have now learned something. I love when I learn things. Okay. I, so I want to make sure that people can connect with you. Yes. Um, you practice in London, so I'm so sorry, U.S. listeners, unless you want to, if you're in London, you can go see Victoria. Yeah, come take a holiday. Come <laughs> but, say hi. Um, <laughs> exactly. Get your teeth clean, do all the things. Yeah. But everybody can find you at thehealthsociety.co.uk, and we'll certainly put that URL, that link in the show notes. So you are available for new patients, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're open to new patients at the moment. And yeah. just because you are a little different than other dentists, what type of services do you offer in your practice? 
So we do um, obviously oral microbiome testing. We also do point of care. Um, we do vitamin D testing, HbA1c. So we look at your blood glucose levels. Um, and then we also do a lot of therapies which are guided towards the, the microbiome. So um, our hygiene, we use like an antibacterial spray, which goes down into the pockets and also cleans the gums in a much more efficient way. Um, so that's our, our best kind of seller if that makes sense it's called guided biofilm therapy and then we also do we have a kinesiologist we have um what else do we have massage Actually, therapy. An, an infrared yeah. yeah you have an infrared sauna we you do a lot of different sauna. things there um we have yeah bioresonance therapy we do uh, lymphatic drainage so the point is that you could come and see me and have nothing to do with those services, but most patients will often combine a few of those services. And the infrared sauna has had incredible results with when used in combination with dental treatments because we're trying to detoxify and reduce the inflammation. So it works really, really well, actually, altogether. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My I pleasure. I will make sure that we have all of your links in the show notes. And I hope that you will come back sometime and we can dive more into the oral microbiome and all of the really cool research that you're continuing to work on. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I, I hope to see you again soon. <laughs> this was such a fun interview to do. And I love Victoria's energy and her willingness to share all of the research and her thoughtfulness around the oral microbiome. If you have any experience with the things we've discussed or you've got questions you'd love for her to address in a future episode, please head over to skinterrupt.com forward slash 318. You can leave your questions, comments there, and you can also check out the resources that I've linked up for you in those show notes. Now it's your turn. Make a point to share this episode with someone you know who would find it absolutely fascinating. And then rate and review The Healthy Skin Show if you haven't done so yet. And make sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss a weekly dose of inspiration, new research, creative approaches to common topics that we often think about. I think this was a really fascinating look at the deep connections within the oral microbiome and also the alternative strategies to help you on your journey to rebuild healthy skin. And let's connect online. I'm at Jennifer Fugo. Thanks so much for tuning in and I look forward to diving deeper with you in the next episode.